Welcome to The Baseline, everyone. Today, this program enters a new frontier. We're crossing a critical threshold. We've had some amazing guests. We've had some real heavyweights in the medical freedom movement appear on these airwaves, providing us with incredible information and insights. But today, for the first time, we're talking to a vaccine injury victim. We're talking to someone who, under conditions of coercion, took an mRNA injection to retain their job and benefits and is now suffering horrifically. The extent to which my guest, Danielle Baker, has suffered is truly harrowing. The nature of her injury will make you shudder. She has suffered tremendously, yet she has a powerful spirit and she has not let her physical pain douse her courage. She is speaking up and she is speaking out her quest for justice has put her at the center of a landmark case in the state of Ohio, and she's here today to tell her story. I'd like to welcome to the baseline, Danielle Baker. Thank you, Danielle, for being here. How are you today? It's been a rough week, but I'm okay today. I'm feeling a little bit better. Okay. Well, thank you for taking the time to be with us. I know it's not easy, and uh, I really feel for you and what you're going through. Um, today is your day. This is a chance for you to tell your story to an astute audience, and um, I just want you to start out by taking your time and telling us, first of all, about your life before you were injured. I know you were a nurse serving the community for over 20 years. I know you had a very active life, including a lot of outdoor activity with your family, and um, on a fateful day, you were injured very severely, but I'm going to leave it to you to share with us the details. Please tell us what's happened to you, please. The floor is well, I, I want to thank you for having me on. It really does mean everything to have an injured come on and speak because it's a whole different perspective. Of course, we're all fighting the medical freedom. But when you worked in the medical field and you then became completely disabled because of the coercion that was going on, it's a completely different outlook. So I appreciate you giving me the stage to share my story. Oh, no need to apologize. Um, and, uh, you know, by the way, um, Danielle does suffer with, uh, with her speech because of her injury. So if you hear her struggling a little bit, um, please understand, you know, this is one of the severe side effects of this very severe injury that she's suffered from. So please take your time, Danielle. No, no rush. We're here to listen to you and absolutely correct what you just said. Your perspective is invaluable. Your perspective is not a pedestrian perspective here. You have the inside scoop um, in a way that uh, the average person really wouldn't understand offhand. So please take all the time that you need to, to tell us what you've been through and basically what happened to you. Why are you known as the coerced nurse? I would love to, and if any time during my speaking um, you have any questions or 
think I should clarify, please don't hesitate to help to let me know my brain doesn't work like it used to because of the injury. Um, Understood. But you're I, doing a great job, so don't worry about it. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. Um, prior to um, taking the, the Pfizer shot, um, I had met my now husband in 2019. Um, I had been a nurse for 20 years before my injury, and I was newly married um, in 2020. Uh, we had actually met at uh, an assisted living that we both were contracted to work at. Um, when I met my husband, I was my, my healthiest. We brought together our families. Um, he had a daughter. Um, she is now 11. I had a son who is now 10. Um, we were always active. We felt that it was important to um, expose our kids to activity outdoors. And uh, every weekend we were doing something. We were hiking or, or hunting, camping, primitively. Um, we just always were active. We thought that was extremely important. Um, at work, um, of course, uh, the um, declaration came in 2020 where they shut down everything, but I was working as a hospice nurse. I had been a hospice nurse for 17 years. And um, our jobs didn't stop. Um, we continued to see our patients, and um, we befriended other patients, too, during the lockdown because they had no access to their family. It was really heartbreaking to see. The talks of the shot uh, began uh, in 2020, and I had made the decision that I didn't want it. Um, I felt that it was too rushed um, in history. Well, I later found out that vaccines are never studied anyhow, but in the history that I knew at the time, this isn't how medications um, were approved. Um, this was unheard of, and it scared me. And so I opted to not get it when it came out um, for healthcare workers, and I, I didn't want it. Um, I acquired my own immunity in 2020. I had um, contracted COVID through working. Uh, we were constantly exposed in, in the field. Um, of course, our, our PPE, um, the personal protection stuff that we were supposed to have wasn't uh, proper. Um, a lot of times they had issues uh, finding what we needed. So I had contact with COVID in 2020. Um, at the end, in, in December, I came through that, um, uh, fine. I did have some uh, lingering uh, fatigue, and I had gone to the doctor several times to figure out what, what was going on. Um, 
then um, at the uh, beginning in, in January of 2021, my employer began to send out emails talking about the safety and the effectiveness of the shot, um, how we needed to get it, and they were trying to educate us about how safe and effective that it was. Some people went ahead and got it when um, it was uh, uh, released for the healthcare workers, and again, I opted not to. Um, they began to send more and more emails. Um, it began like once a week and it proceeded to uh, twice a week. Sometimes we got them several days in the week. Uh, and all of it talking about how we owe it to our patients and our family to get the, the shot. Um, it didn't exactly work, I think, how they wanted it to. So they put more pressure on us. Um, they began to do uh, lotteries, like $5,000 a week drawings. They sent out emails stating that um, they had offers up uh, to $20,000 if uh, a certain amount of people got it. Um, what really influenced me was an email that was sent out that said if we don't have it by July 2021, then be stripped of some benefits that um, they had offered COVID benefits. Um, I had a family, two special needs kids. I carried the insurance and I felt that I had um, a safety net, I guess, in a way. I knew the mandate was coming. I felt the need that I, I needed the, the COVID benefit that they had offered. And so I began the series. Um, my first one was June 4th of 2021. It was Pfizer. I didn't know it at the time, but about three weeks after my first shot, I had a horrible back pain and went to the ER, diagnosed with a pulled muscle. Um, but in reality, it was my body reacting to the shot. Uh, I went for my uh, second shot. Um, and after my second shot, um, that day, I had a fall, which was unusual for me. Um, in that fall, I hurt my shoulder. It was the same shoulder that I had gotten my shot in, and my whole arm was numb and, and, and uh, tingly, and it just didn't feel right. I couldn't really move it. Um, my husband, he's an occupational therapist, and he looked at it, and he said that it should probably be checked out. Um so the next day, uh, we went ahead and, and went to the ER to have it checked out. That was the, the first time that I had thought that I had an injury, um, but not in the way it turned out to be. I had thought maybe they had placed the injection in the wrong place. 
and it affected a nerve, and, and that's why I was having so much pain and tingling and, and stuff in my arm. I had asked the physician assistant um, when we went to the ER if this could be related to the shot, and I got an immediate no, and I was in and out of there within 30 minutes without a diagnosis. Um, I went to several different uh, appointments, and I did find out in that fall I had hurt my shoulder. Um, my uh, AC joint was separated, um, so we assumed that that was the cause of my issues. About um, 18, 18 to 21 days uh, later, it was July the 17th, I was in a car, and I had that horrible back pain again. <laughs> Over the next four days after that the back pain, my body systematically started to shut down. Um, the numbness and the tingling went from my right arm down to my right leg, over to my left leg, and up into my left arm. Lost my ability to essentially walk. I started losing control of my bowel and bladder. I was having issues with my uh, memory, with um, my uh, ability to put things together. And I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what. Um, I didn't want to go back to the emergency room. I had seen so many doctors. And so I decided that at a doctor's appointment, I would tell them about it. So I had at that point over those four days, essentially lost everything. Um, I, I was using a walker. I was dragging my feet. And, um, when we went in to see the doctor, um, he recognized something wasn't right, sent me to uh, another specialist the next day, and they ordered an outpatient MRI. I had another week before the MRI, and when I had the MRI, it came back saying that essentially um, there was demyelination in, C, in my cervical spine, C3 through 7. Demyelination means that the covering of the spinal cord is, is eroding away. I agreed to go to the emergency room, and um, in the emergency room, we had a doctor. Um, who came in and sat down and said that he reviewed my chart and everything and that he was sorry to tell us I had something called transverse myelitis. And the transverse myelitis was caused by the shot. And what that meant was that my body attacked my spinal cord and basically aids the coding that sends the signals from my brain to my body. And um, he said that 
his sister helped to develop mRNA technology many years ago and, and, and wasn't involved in it now and told us that it was never meant for something like this and that he was very sorry that this had happened. So um, I was hospitalized. Everything was ruled out um, that, that, that it could have been. And um, in October of 2021, I received my official diagnosis of the transverse myelitis caused by the shot. Um, with this, it's uh, kind of like MS. Um, I have issues with um, walking. I have issues with my bowel and bladder, extreme uh, fatigue, pain. Um, I, there's no cure for it, unfortunately, and um, my life is completely different. I rely on people to care for me instead of me caring for them now. And um, as of late, uh, two years later now, I have <clears throat> found out that the um, shot has now attacked my heart, and I am in diastolic uh, failure. Only one part of my heart doesn't work correctly. And and now I have to face that, too, among everything else that I am going through. So it's... Um, <laughs> It's um, been an extraordinary journey, that's for sure. Um, there's a lot out there that the people don't know or understand that's going on, and there are so many more like me that are enduring the hell that we have to go through every day. Right. Well, oh, my goodness, Danielle. It's so difficult to hear your story, honestly. It's just so gut-wrenching and i'm so thankful to you uh for having the courage to share your story because um i know it's not easy to talk about and uh i want to know if you've had uh any success whatsoever in terms of treatment have you found any relief whatsoever have there been any doctors who have been able to assist you in any manner in terms of your care under these conditions you find yourself in? Um, it, it seems like um, the, the traditional doctors don't have any answers. Um, I, I, I get gaslit all the time. Um, I just saw a cardiology on Tuesday, and he basically said I need to exercise more. Um, and live my life and not worry about the fluctuations of 10-pound weight gains because of my heart um, overnight. Um, there are doctors out there that are fighting for us. Um, there's a lot of options as far as supplements and stuff like that, but they, they haven't been successful with us that are severely injured. Um Dr. Alan Bain, he's out of Chicago, and he's, he has got the biggest heart ever. 
Um, and, and he is one doctor that listens and that, that will, will help. Um, he doesn't know exactly how to cure us, but he does everything in, in his power to help us find some relief. Um, and there are other doctors as well that are fighting, but unfortunately when it comes to us that are severely injured, it seems like that there's nothing that helps. And then you add on top of that all of the solutions that are offered, they cost money. And we don't have it. We've been financially devastated through all of this. And we can't afford those things. And insurance doesn't pay for it. So we're in a catch-22 to where if there is something that might help and we spend the money on it, most of the time it doesn't. And so we are out the money that we didn't have. It's just an endless roller coaster and it's almost laughable sometimes because why isn't there a solution? Why are they not listening to us and helping us? Why is the government and why is legislation, why are my own representatives not fighting for us to be studied and for us to get solutions, you know, it's so very frustrating because we just get more sick every day. Yeah, I'm I'm so angered right now, I have to be honest, my jaw is getting tight because um, I just find this to be so outrageous. I am so angered because this stuff was coerced on people. This was forced on people. People were threatened with their jobs. People already had their backs against the walls because of lockdown, not being able to go to work, falling behind on their bills, et cetera, being told you can't go to work. But, um, you know, in the case of you know New York, for example, I was one of those people put in a situation where, well, my rent is due and my various bills are due, but I'm being prevented from working for mm-hmm. my health as if poverty or homelessness is good for your health. Um, but then it turns out these products are harming people, and there's many, many metrics that are indicating this. There are full-length documentaries with one testimony after another saying, I took this shot and I was injured. Obviously, they're not quote-unquote anti-vaxxers per se because they took the vaccine in the first place. And then the callousness, the same people who wanted to save everyone's life with the COVID shot, now they don't care when people are being injured and killed by the shot. What kind of twilight zone are we in? And then I get accused of being a so-called right winger, for example, well, really is highlighting Injustice, a right-wing principle, uh, that's not something I was familiar with as a so-called right-wing principle. I don't even care about this stuff anymore. These monikers, right-wing, left-wing, are you a good person? Do you care about other human beings? I find it amazing some of the activists I know who spent so much of their time drawing attention to injustice have turned their backs on the vaccine injured. They would rather not know about it. They'll point to this injustice over there and that injustice, but they have chosen to take the strategy of pretending the vaccine injured 
don't exist. And I just, ugh, that fi- I just find that just unconscionable. I can't believe this is going on. I don't, I don't even know what to say to people. I don't want to give up, but they remain, and I've used this word before, unfazed at everything that is presented to them. I don't know what yeah. is going on here. It's like they, their favorite, one of the favorite words is anecdotal. We're just anecdotal evidence. Right, 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 anecdotal. And despite the fact that you can clearly see my injury and it's been confirmed, I still don't have a voice. And you are so correct. This isn't a political matter. It needs the politics that need to be taken out of this. They take eye drops off of the market when three or four people have injuries. And here we are screaming into a void about what is going on. And only a, a, a few hear us and the ones that really need to hear us, like you said, they just turn their back. There's We don't exist in their world. And I'm sorry, but that their humanity and ignore us. It's it's laughable. Yeah, and I want Joe Biden himself not to engage in partisan politics because, you know, we spoke on the phone a few weeks ago and we both agreed. Well, we're both third-party individuals. Um, I don't endorse any political candidate and any political party. But Joe Biden is the current president, and he did stand on his presidential podium and say that he was losing his patience with the quote-unquote unvaccinated. And to me, it places him in a different category than any other president in our lifetime. I do not recall the mass medicating of the public with presidential authority backing it. I mean, I, I just can't believe how strange this is. But then as the bodies pile up, literally, I mean, people dying and people being severely injured, he doesn't have to answer for it. Like they have these town hall meetings on television. I want a town hall where Joe Biden faces the vaccine injured. Right. He pushed these products. You know, he's protected by the media. He's protected by these systems of mediation. These people need to answer for this. Why was Eric Adams, the inarticulate mayor of New York City, why was he promoting experimental drugs? Who put him up to that? I want to know. I want to see the financial transactions. What was he doing that he took it upon himself, along with the previous mayor who he replaced? How did these guys become vaccine pushers? They can't fix a goddamn pothole in New York City. They can't get the subway system or the bus system to run in a functional manner. But they've decided they want to be little Dr. Dooms and to tell everybody what medication they should take. I'm so outraged by the fact that that ever happened. And then I'm twice as outraged at the lack of response to that and people not understanding this is not right. Politicians should not be trying to get you injected with things. They need to get back to the business of what they failed to do up until this point. So I just, what can we do to get these people to answer for their actions? And how strange it was. Did you notice, Danielle, in the whole sort of play out of things before the public? Did you see this little pattern where 
um, Joe Biden himself, Barack Obama through Twitter, on uh, Albert Borla of Pfizer, Anthony Fauci himself, Bill Clinton, they all read from the exact same script, where at one point or another, in a little window of time, one after the other after the other, said, bad news, everyone, I've been diagnosed with COVID, but it's okay, because I'm double vaxxed, and I'm boosted, and now I'm taking Paxlovid. They're so out of their minds, they don't realize that they just stated their vaccine doesn't work because now you're using another powerful antiviral intervention to do the job that the vaccine, the wonderful vaccine, didn't do in the first place. I mean, who is paying these people and who has the power to line up these powerful figures and get them all to read off of a script? I want to know. All of the money. That's, that's, you know, my... Um, employer, I believe they received millions of dollars from the government mm. for this. And so therefore, they're going to be the players in, in, in this facade of safe and effective and protect your patients. I mean, my, my employer questioned our morals and our ethics if we opted not to get it. Right, for um, not experimenting with your body. What a, what a shameful <laughs> thing to do. Not experiment with your body. And one of the reasons I loved hospice is because of the autonomy and the ability to choose how you want your life to look. That was our core principle. And then to have them coerce people and then to mandate it goes against everything that they stand for. And then to completely deny that they have any wrongdoing in my case, it just outrages me. Um, I spoke with uh, Warner Mendenhall. He's uh, a huge advocate um, for the um, uh, uh, vaccine injured, and uh, uh, he is representing Brooke Jackson, and Um, He is just a a big medical freedom fighter. He's an attorney in Ohio. And he suggested that I pursue a workers' comp case. And so we filed a case uh, of workers' comp. And my former employer, um, their argument was that um, it doesn't fall back on them. Um, They argued that, do I really have a vaccine injury and so we have gotten to a point in my case that I have been awarded a trial by jury. Good. We lost in the workers' compensation Not arena. Good. Well, it, 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 it's good in the way that now I've been granted the ability for a jury of peers right. to decide whether I have that right to participate from a, a collection of people who are not paid actors in, in this whole situation get to decide. And I think that that's a good thing because they'll be able to hear me and to see me and to see what somebody has to suffer with that has 
been injured by these products when they didn't want them in the first place. Right. And, I mean, your account is very detailed. So if anyone hears your story and would not rule in your favor, I'm claiming corruption. I don't understand how that could be possible because your your details are down to the minute. And um, actually, we're going to have Brooke Jackson. I want to announce to everyone here. I'm thrilled to announce Brooke Jackson is our guest next week. And if you're not <laughs> Make familiar. Make sure you give her my love. <laughs> I will. I will. And, you know. I can't even say how important she is in all of this. Brooke Jackson versus Pfizer. If you're not familiar with that case, that speaks to an incredible media blackout or a whitewash, whatever you prefer. Um, They're not covering essential stories that are happening in real time. Brooke Jackson versus Pfizer. That's where Pfizer said, oh, can we reveal our documents in um, 75 years? How's that sound? Yeah. And the judge said, no, I'll give you a year, which I also find confusing because if you're a corporation, why can't you just produce the documents on the spot? I mean, isn't a year a year of time to lose documents and tamper with documents? But he gave them a year, which is better than 75. And the 80,000 pages, I believe, that were produced – are just full of deeply problematic text indicating fraud, indicating harms that they concealed, indicating that Pfizer, who was involved at one point in the biggest settlement in the history of the Department of Justice, was, guess what, back to their old tricks. Is that so inconceivable? Like, that's another thing I find so crazy is it like, is it so outlandish to think that well, there might be corporate corruption in a major corporation. Is that inconceivable? Is it inconceivable to think, well, maybe we have flaws in our regulatory process? I think everything is just going swell over at the FDA and the CDC, those perfect institutions. But um, I hope we have time to take some calls today. We do have a, approximately 20 minutes remaining in our show. But I would like to... Before we get um, a little more info on your legal status, if you go into that a little bit further, I want to mention that Danielle has a substack, The Coerced Nurse. Uh, look for The Coerced Nurse on Substack and please subscribe to her substack. Please share her sub- substack. She's done some thoughtful writing and. Um, you know, everyone should hear her story and everyone should uh, should take a look at what she's written because she's done some really thoughtful writing on her Substack, and it would be a great way to support her um, considering the struggles that she's facing at this time. But, Danielle, just uh, before we open up the phone lines, um, can you tell us where you stand with your legal case? When will you be appearing in court? Um, any other things that we might mention uh, under the circumstances? Absolutely. Um, so, in the in or this year, uh, we opted to put my case on hold because my health has just declined so much. Right. I couldn't, uh, it was just not the right thing to do. Um, and I also needed some time to look at my legal team. Um, I didn't feel very supported as much as I should. 
So um, I now have Warner Mendenhall uh, representing me along with the Patrick Collingsworth. So we'll be refiling and um, we'll be getting a, a date for the, the trial. Um, and we kind of got my health figured out um, uh, the best that, that we can. Um, unfortunately, I, uh, um, the heart failure transfers myelitis, all of that are going to be lifelong struggles. Um, right. And it's um, <laughs> a lifetime disability. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we know what's been going on. So um, I'll be refiling Warner, I should say, we'll be refiling my case, open it back up. Um, so we'll get a court date in um, 2024. So I'll make sure to keep you updated on that. Yeah. Um, I do also have a, a give sent go if you just look up Daniel Baker, uh, any uh, donations help to support us in, in medical and um, sometimes I do go and speak when I am able to so if we have any extra funds we utilize it for that as well um, we're going to have to start gathering expert witnesses and cost as well so um, any support is, is appreciated on that um, we want to bring this case forward because it can set precedence for many others that were coerced, mandated, and injured by the vaccine. And so many people, they don't even realize it at this point. um, It's really hard to see people that say, you know, I was fine and now I'm not. And the only difference is is that they got a shot that was experimental and data manipulated um and they can't connect it it's that's really hard to see yeah there's a lot of that that i'm seeing there's a lot of that i mean i just i'm keeping my eyes and ears open and maybe i'm a little paranoid at this point but I'm seeing a lot of people come down with new medical problems out of nowhere. And uh, it's pretty noticeable to me. I mean, I even made a Facebook post just saying people are dying at unusual rates. And I can tell just from the Facebook posts, I open up Facebook. Oh, my God, I lost my brother. Oh, my God, I lost uh, another friend. I said there's more it's like going on Facebook sometimes, like Facebook obituaries. I don't remember yeah. so many people mentioning death. When I made that post, you know, all of a sudden, even though I'm shadow banned out of nowhere, dozens and dozens of people responded to that particular post with their own comments, which I take that as evidence unto itself. Maybe it's a big pile of anecdotal evidence, but it's evidence. And that's actually a good point that uh, Steve Kirsch made on these airwaves and congratulations by the way to steve curse he, he made an, an incredible presentation at mit last night which i think is going to be a hallmark in uh in the movement going forward it was a major breakthrough so there are breakthroughs being made but um uh yeah it's just it's so noticeable to me it's so noticeable i mean i know without naming any names of course because I, I don't want to violate anyone's privacy. I know three 
world-class guitar players who have severe medical conditions now out of nowhere. I mean, people who are pretty healthy, active people playing their butts off, not in ill health, and all of a sudden, I know three, not just guitar players, world-class guitar players with serious medical problems, like not normal. You know, I had a, I mentioned on the airwaves here, I believe before, I have a chess student, six years old, was hospitalized after his first shot, then hospitalized after his second shot, which, for goodness sake, why was he given a second shot? But I've never heard of any of my chess students being hospitalized in response to a medical product until this stuff started happening. So... um, We do have a call on the line. I'd like to welcome Vincent from New Jersey. Are you with us, Vincent? Uh, Yes, uh, uh, Jeremiah. It's Vincent from uh, Plainfield, actually. And I'm uh, thankful that I was able to get in uh, today to speak with you. Thank you. Oh, before Um, before you go on, let me just mention, because I keep forgetting this. I'm sorry. I'm so irresponsible. 888-874-4888. 874-4888. I forget to announce the phone number because it's like, oh, we're just a PRN family. But if you're listening for the first time and you don't have the number secured on your phone yet, that's the number, 888-874-4888. So please call in and join the conversation. But go ahead, Vincent. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. That's uh, uh, okay. Uh, that's uh, required to <laughs> make sure that everybody else gets the information. Um Fortunately, I was able to hear you uh, speaking to uh, Professor Lee. That's what I call her. Um, I think it was yesterday. And uh, you describe yourself as a one-trick pony, only talking about the vaccines and injuries. Well, um, I might not be a one-trick pony, (laughs) but I I frequently have spoken out against this, um, actually going back from the beginning when it was first... um, uh, made public about this so-called um, uh, virus, you know, and vaccine, so-called vaccine, obviously the virus might be real, although it's been, um, you know, modified, you know, for the effect uh, of making it more potent. Right. Um, I uh, once had to use the analogy of, uh, you know, listening to uh, the War of the Worlds, um, the Wizard of Oz, Maybe the Oz version uh, for you know, with Diana Ross is probably more uh, relevant to our uh, you know generation and, and our community and the other you know aspects of how they rolled out this uh, plan. Starting with Bill Gates, Anthony Fauci, uh, to coerce, as you use the term, um, and Danielle, of course, and I'm very. Um, you know, sorry that you had to have that experience, uh, and that uh, hopefully you will find something that could help you to recover, certainly to fight back, you know, in your battle that's, you know, going on right now. Uh, but I am, uh, n- you know, not so uh, much of a so-called anti-vaxxer, but there's certain things that I know. My experiences and, uh, you know, the things that I've been exposed to revealed to me when this was all rolled out that this is not to be trusted. I tried in every instance to warn people about what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, hardly anyone would listen. Not that they consider me a quack or anything, but they're so 
caught up in you know the being compliant and complacent, and they follow conventions. But I recently was speaking at my mother's church, and I made sure to warn people: please, whatever you do, do not take the shot. Do not take any boosters if you have. Don't take any more. The pastor uh, had enough, I think, um, honesty and integrity to say, well, you know, we'll take that under advisement. He said, because you ignore it at your own peril. Unfortunately, anecdotally, I have a whole list of family members and friends who have taken it, and they're no longer here. Mm. And, uh, you know, we have to do something because from my vantage point, my perspective at least, I believe that uh, this is the greatest threat to our people, and of course it will allow them to maintain control and dominion over us while we fight on other areas and distracted by all that's going on around us so that we can't see what's actually, you know, um, done uh, against us. They're going as far as in uh, on a PBS uh, special, they called it the icon, in which they were lionizing Anthony Fauci. And I've spoken out against him as well on the radio and in public. I do not understand Um, the reverence for that man. (laughs) Yes. To me, it's basically my my metaphor for Anthony Fauci is like giving an award for coach of the year to the coach of the team with the worst record in the league. So so there's more mortality in the U.S. Yay, Anthony Fauci, you did such a great job. No, you didn't. You did the worst job compared to every other ministry of health in the world. So why do you deserve to be commended? I don't get that at all. Never mind the criminal component of him clearly being connected with gain of function for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I think they were literally sending subliminal messages to people's brains somehow when he was on the podium or at the podium making his announcements. It's like, why are people reacting to him positively? He's not really saying anything that's that incredible, and he's suspicious as can be. Mm. Absolutely. And him, Rachel Maddow, and all of this. Oh, my God, Rachel Maddow. Please, I don't want to have indigestion I walk out, but I lay down a complaint. My mother, you know, being in her, they see some oxygen there, and they believe so much in what they see and hear. And, you know, I said, behind, when they're off camera, you wouldn't have anything to do with that person if you know who they are. Right. You could drop dead in the middle of the street and they wouldn't even blink about it. They wouldn't even have yeah. one little thought about it. No. Uh-uh. And even in that uh, PBS uh, special called The Icon, Anthony Fauci, he admitted in a half-hearted way to funding gain-of-functions in Wuhan. Right. He said, just a little bit. Uh, okay. All right. right. So you should be comforted by that. And one thing, by the way, it was at uh, Georgetown University where Anthony mm-hmm. Fauci, right as Trump was taking office, I don't even know if it was before or after Trump had taken the oath of office. It was right at the beginning of the Trump administration where Anthony Fauci was giving a speech in Georgetown and he said, you know, a few generic comments and, you know, we always have to be vigilant in our ongoing struggle against chronic diseases. And then he said, and there will be a surprise outbreak, which I found Mm. so strange. It's on video. He said those exact words, everyone. 
and there mm-hmm. will be a surprise outbreak. Well, surprise, what do you mean? If you know, it's not a surprise, right? You know what's going to happen, so tell us. Mm-hmm. But he just said, and, and what I point to there is the phraseology that he chose. He could have said, and we always have to be prepared for a surprise outbreak that could possibly happen at any time. He didn't say something like that. He said, and there will be a surprise outbreak, which I don't know what's going on with that statement, but it's chilling. He just said it in such a wry way, almost out of context with uh, the rest of his speech. And speaking of context, I wanted to use the term historical context. The reason Mm -hmm. why I didn't trust the COVID vaccine was based on a historical context of this Mm -hmm. country and its behavior. And how amazing how many activists, again, thought they were so brilliant by omitting historical context. Well, no, that's not brilliant. We're supposed to be students of history. But, Vincent, brother, it's been great talking with you. We have another call on the line. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I'll I'll call back again. Have you subscribed to my substack yet, brother? I have not. But tell me how I'm not as uh, sophisticated as some might be in terms of where to go and what to do. Oh, oh, totally. So go to substack.com. Look up mm-hmm. Jeremiah Hosea. That's my substack, Jeremiah Hosea, J-E-R-E-M-I-A-H-H-O-S-E-A. And also look up The Coerced Nurse. That's Danielle's substack, which is also... That I remember, yeah, definitely. So yeah. please just put your email in and boom, you're on the list. It's not like you have to push a bunch of buttons or do anything crazy. So for everyone who's been reluctant to sign up, please help us expand the reach of this program. I'm working really hard. I have guests lined up. I need to justify my actions to my wife because I'm so dedicated to this and I'm not going uh-huh. income through this. Yeah. So if you guys yeah. can please have a little compassion for a man with two young children, support the <laughs> Substack, buy some music at jeremiahhosea.com. And thank you uh-huh. so much for calling, Vincent. We have um, Eduardo on the line from Brooklyn. Brother Eduardo, can you hear me? Yeah, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes. Welcome good to afternoon. the Airwaves, brother. Always great to hear from you. Thank you. I, I commend you on having such a heartfelt guest. Daniel, I just want you to know, as someone who was previous in the health field, I my heart goes out to you, my soul goes out to you, and I'm so glad that Brother Jeremiah brought you to our attention. Your testimony needs to be heard and that is why I want to directly speak to you in saying the following. I'm so glad that you do have a legal team that is working on your behalf. I'm so glad that you have pursued all the medical intervention that you can avail yourself with. And I realize that money and the cost involved it's going to be a problem because one thing, I heard your voice. I said to myself, my God, we need to keep this woman alive. <laughs> and so I, I reach out to you and say, by any means necessary, keep your spirit strong. Keep your faith and your hope strong during this absolutely maniacal ordeal. Now, two things, I will be uh, subscribing to your Substack, that's for sure. Uh, Frontline uh, COVID-19 Critical Care founder, 
Dr. Paul Marek. Does that name ring a bell by any chance? Uh, I love Dr. Marek. I actually had opportunity to talk with him at a conference I attended in Ohio. Um, he's a wonderful, wonderful man, and I, uh, I appreciate your support and, and your thoughts. Oh, absolutely. So he has quite a number of protocols that he came up with uh, since 2020, and now that you have already been exposed and are familiar with this wonderful human, by the way, he got into trouble legally because uh, the hospital where he was working from uh, didn't allow him to treat his patients with ivermectin. So he's he's certainly somebody that I would like for you to at least avail yourself with as far as what protocols you can begin to to get in order to stop the spike protein proliferation, especially since I heard you said that it is now affecting your heart, which is uh, to be expected. So we need to stop the spike protein proliferation. And I think that uh, Dr. Paul Marek and Pierre Corey, uh, both from uh, Frontline, can certainly assist. But in the meantime, Danielle, uh, about 20, 30 years ago, I came across something out of necessity, and that was the Sedona method. This is something that you can learn to keep yourself strong on a very deep level. Um, please look into the Sedona method because this is not going to cost you anything, and you can do it anytime you want, anytime that you feel the need, embark upon this journey. I just wanted to share that with you, and I will be reaching out to you via your self stack. Much blessing and support to you. And once again, thank you, Brother Jeremiah, for bringing your guests. Oh, thank you for your kind words and for your humanity, Brother Eduardo. Um, yeah, I think we just need to care about each other, folks. You know, I just think we need to just give a darn and not be callous and have compassion for each other. I mean, you know, I don't understand how someone could hear Danielle's story and not be moved by it. And um, yes, this struggle continues, everyone. There's actually an incredible thing going on that I've come across, which is there are groups of vaccine-injured individuals meeting in Twitter spaces every day throughout the day. I mean, mm -hmm. you think these folks don't exist? Well, they definitely do, and they're meeting. The, on, at, at any given moment, you could go on Twitter. There's a Twitter space that's open. Click on the button, and there's dozens of vaccine-injured people, dozens and dozens, congregating virtually, sharing their stories, people who have undoubtedly been injured, people who have had their lives changed for the worse. That was one thing that really bothered me, and I've made this point before, is people say, oh, it's rare. Well, how rare? It always bothered me, the people who were so quick to say it's rare, well, how many people are you referring to? Do you mean 100 injured people? That's a lot of people. Do you mean a thousand injured people? Like a thousand people is not a large percentage of, let's say, 180 million vaccinated people, but it's a large number of human beings. And it turns out that it's actually not a thousand. It's thousands upon thousands. It's millions. So please, folks, don't turn a blind eye to this. If you're a compassionate person, be compassionate through and through. 
We're running out of time, unfortunately. I have to wrap. Um, thank you for joining us on the baseline. Thank you so much, Danielle Baker. We have your back. We will stay in touch with you and, and keep our listeners abreast of your story. And, um, you know, strength and love and power to you and your family. I really hope that by some miracle you can have some relief and have some feeling of recovery and have some justice, which would be a victory for all of us. So thank you so much, Danielle Baker, and thank you all for listening. This is The Baseline. Tell your friends about it. Next week we have Brooke Jackson. So let's spread the word about that and make a big splash because we have a, a celebrity, if you will, of the medical freedom movement, someone who put their neck out, and uh, we need to know all the details about that. Brooke Jackson versus Pfizer. One love, everyone. Peace.